it was fun for me to see those kids excited, especially some of those kids who don't play a lot or who got very little play time in playoffs. They were, everybody was just buying into it. And I was telling Josh this after each playoff game, those kids, and I tried to touch base with each of those kids at some point. I'd say, hey, really happy that you're on this ride, that you stuck with it, that you could have said, you know what? I'm done. Playoffs, I'm not going to get play time. I'm, I'm out of here. But every single one of them stuck with us, stuck with the team. And even the parents and talking to the parents, like they are having a blast. They are enjoying this ride. The fact that they get to say they were on this journey to the state final is something that, that they're always going to remember. And that's that's a team sport. You know, that's one big family having a good time. Welcome to the Sold on Drip podcast, your ultimate destination for all things Dripping Springs. I am your host, Bill Caffaretta, and we are here to celebrate what makes this town the best place to live in the Texas Hill Country. It's amazing people. Join us as we sit down with local residents and business owners to hear their stories, learn why they love this community, and are proud to call it home. We will be spotlighting their businesses, find out why they choose to serve the people of Dripping Springs, and dive into the local events that bring our community together. Our finger is always on the pulse, and we will be keeping you informed about how our rapid growth and development is impacting our schools, resources, and the local real estate market. Whether you're a lifelong resident or you have just discovered Dripping Springs, you will soon know why we are all sold on drip. Thanks for joining and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Sold on Drip podcast. I'm your host, Bill Caffaretta, and I'm here with some special guests this week. We're the, the high school soccer coaches, Coach Hill and Coach Kuhn. They just had a pretty amazing run in the state playoffs this year and made it all the way to the state championship game. So we want to learn a little bit about them and hear about this season and talk all about triple cross. So, uh, fellas, why don't you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you love about Tripping Springs, and then we'll, we'll dive into this season that we just had. All right. Well, I'll start, I guess. My name is Josh Hill. I, it's my sixth year to be the head boys soccer coach at Dripping Springs. Prior to that, I was a head coach up in North Texas, Wichita Falls, for 10 years. So I've uh, been coaching high school soccer for a while, but I'm really, really glad that I made the move. You know, it's kind of a, you know, we took kind of family went out on a limb. My wife also was a teacher. So six years ago, uh, there was a job opening and uh, went forward and we've loved living here ever since. So um, ha- definitely happy to be here and think it was a great move for us. What about you, Billy? Uh, and my name is Billy Kuhn, uh, fourth year here under Josh Hill as the uh, varsity assistant. Uh, my wife and I, Becky, just moved to Dripping about a, almost, almost a year ago today, and we loved it. was living in Austin prior to that. I was coaching up at Round Rock uh, School District at Stony Point High School, and coaching club, coaching club soccer as well, and I had some buddies of mine who said that Josh Hill down in Dripping was a really good guy and that he needed uh, an assistant. So I met with Josh and interviewed and offered me the spot. So I made the jump to Dripping and it's been a fantastic ride and environment so far. Uh, again, just we, we, we just moved here. So it just shows you how much we enjoy Dripping right now. So uh, fun fact, my, my last year of teaching at the high school before uh, resigning after having our babies, I actually was a co-teacher with Coach <laughs> Kuhn um, teaching government, which was a subject I knew very little bit about, but 
was special ed certified and, and, it, and it worked out for us. Yes. And then we find out that our wives knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. Our wives knew each other mm-hmm. from way back. So from way s- back. Small world. It is. Well, that's what happens when you live in a small town. Sure. So, guys, I know we, you guys had a, a heck of a season that you just wrapped up. Um, you know, the, the, the culminated in a championship game, um, having moved up from 5A to 6A. But I want to hear about the season and kind of how that went for you, what that looked like, and, you know, f- from from top to bottom of, uh, of what it takes to kind of have that kind of success. I know there was a lot of success last year as well, but moving from 5A to 6A um, when we had that realignment this year was probably something that wasn't necessarily seen as as, as being um, being able to maintain that success on the outside. But you guys obviously have a different perspective, so we'd love to hear from you and, and see what that looked like. I mean, well, it, I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, we had definitely had some struggles, especially early on. You know, I think we started the year, I think we were two, eight and two. And, you know, bottom of the district for the first, probably fourth of the district. And then, you know, as, as a young team, like we had nine new starters this year from last year's group, but the kids were just, they battled, man. They just never quit. And we kind of hung, hung in there. There's plenty of chances this year that, that we could have packed it in and said, this just isn't our year, blah, blah, blah. But these kids kept uh, kept working and we kept getting better. And then, you know, what you talked about earlier, we were talking about culture. You know, I think the culture here is, is just a strong winning tradition. And so, you know, these kids believe in themselves and we had to win the last two games of district to get into the playoffs. So the playoff shirts didn't come in in time because we, we couldn't order them because we didn't know for sure. The parents didn't know for sure. So we're glad we go to that first game and then we just started playing. You know, we played a one seed as a four seed and, End up uh, winning in penalties, score with a couple minutes left in overtime to tie it up. And then from there, this this belief just developed, I think, in these kids. Like, you know, they were confident going in, but but just that first playoff victory, they're like, guys, we've been here before. And um, then we just went on this roll and ended up in the state finals, losing 2-1 to Katie Seven Lakes. So, so that game. But not not easy. That game was your, your Westwood game, right? The Westwood was the first playoff game, yep. So even before that, so you had to win two to get in, and then you have to sustain this throughout the playoffs. Yeah. What um, what about that culture? I mean, you know, you have a c- culture of of continued success because you guys had a great run last year as well. Was that was a final four, or was that in the championship game as well? Championship game, we lost in the finals to Frisco Wakeland. Okay, um, so yeah, so two years in a row making it all the way to the state championship game, one in five a one and six a so what what is how does that culture kind of convey what do you what are you guys doing to to enhance that is that player-led coach-led what does that look like um i think it's you know i think it's both i mean honestly i mean the kids you know we have we have talented players that come through our program and but you know there's a lot of schools we played with talented programs or like talented players in their program but you know our kids you know, it's uh, it's important. So a lot of these guys, maybe they play club and that's their most important thing. And they just say, oh, we play high school for fun. But our kids come and it's, it's a program where the expectations are to, to win, be successful. And you see that in the way they train. They train, you know, the, the, the same, if not harder with us as they do when they go with their, their club team. So I think it's a lot of those guys just it, it's just the program. They want to just be a part of it and they want to be successful. And I believe also that it's big part of this is Josh Hill. You know, I think he comes in and he is a 
fairly calm individual during practices and games. And so he's not beating him up for minor stuff. Uh, he lets them play and he talks to them and the boys respect that. And I think that is one of the big things is we had, I think, two starters from last year come back. The rest were all new starters, but some of them had been on the bench last year uh, for the 5A championship game against Wakeland. And so I think, you know, we've also had some, those kids are part of that experience. And that definitely helped with the culture. It's like, okay, been there, done that. Can we do it again? And we were, I say we, but Josh was really good. I think at the beginning of the year too, saying, listen, this is your team for the seniors. You were watching plenty of seniors last year who led the team for almost three years. And so now it's your time, your turn to lead the team. And it took them some games, but they stepped up in the end, and it was a fantastic run. Well, that's the beauty of sports. I mean, you can have a slow start. You can have skids in the middle and, and turn it around and get home at the right time. And playing your best late in the year is always a difficult thing, especially, in my opinion, coaching a spring sport. And y'all aren't a spring spring sport because you start earlier, but you do finish up, you know, towards the the middle – you know, to the end of spring with a playoff run. I've struggled with seeing a way to keep these kids engaged late in the year because they get tired. High school kids get tired. Their school wears on. You don't see football and fall sports have issues with kids burning out because it's fresh. It's new. And you get towards the end of the year and these kids are tired and their friends are having pool parties and they want to go do stuff after school, but they're still training and they're still playing and competing. What do you guys do to keep their focus late in the year, late in the season, and make them peak late um, come the end of district playing into the playoffs? Well, it's hard, too, because like you said, you know, our kids are playing fall select, winter, spring, high school. Then they right now they've all jumped back into that, so they don't get a lot of breaks. So I think just – I mean, I think one of the biggest things that helps us is the stuff these kids do outside of soccer. Like the team dinners that they have, they enjoy hanging out with each other, and so – if you're hanging out, if you're practicing with you, I guess your friends, it makes it easier. Uh, and then sometimes just changing up practice a little bit instead of doing something, maybe just throwing a couple of fun games to to get get their minds off, you know, the, the normal grind of everyday practice and just trying to variety in training. But, you know, them being able to hang out and enjoy each other's company outside of practice, I think it helps us down the stretch in those late late season playoff runs and stuff like that. The uh the bus rides that you guys had on the way back seem to be <laughs> taking out a little story of their own. Well, can, yeah. you, can you tell us about those? Uh, Billy, you take that little one. Scenes. I was driving. I couldn't see what was going on. <laughs> After that first win from with Westwood, the kids were so pumped because I don't think any of us really knew what was going to happen. And the fact that we scored in the last minute of the second overtime to send it to PKs, and then the win PKs was just phenomenal. And I think they were just jacked. We scored all five PKs. We get on the bus. And they had already, they had already brought a speaker with them. And so once you get on that bus, they just start jumping and singing. And it's that's like Josh said, it's just very cool. Like high school soccer, any high school sport. Uh the kids get together, they have success and they want to celebrate. So they just start singing songs. And they're jumping up and they're taking pictures and they're taking little Instagrams and videos and posting everything. That was for five minutes. 
uh, maybe 10 minutes. And then Josh is like, we got to go. So then Josh is like, get him, get him quiet. So I try to quiet them down, they get <laughs> quiet. And then we start going back Then we start coming back. But at almost at every stoplight, they would get up and they would start jumping around again. We're very lucky. No one ever stopped us or called on us because it was, um, it was pure excitement after every playoff win. And then we started taking um, pictures at, at uh, at least two or three pictures on the way back at every red light. They give me the cameras. I would take a one long picture of the bus with all the kids and their hand signs for second round, for third round, fourth round. And it was just became a little tradition and fun. And I think Nate uh, Warner ended up bringing a, a disco light for the last couple ones as well. So we had a disco light going in the bus and just pure fun. It's excitement. It, it's good to see. It was fun for me to see those kids excited, especially some of those kids who don't play a lot or who got very little play time in playoffs, uh, they were, everybody was just buying into it. And that's, that's a team sport. And that's one big family having a good time. Well, that's when you have the ultimate level of confidence when you're bringing props for your post-game victory celebration. (laughs) Yeah. You brought up a good point too, about the kids that may not have gotten a lot of playing time in the playoffs, but they still have a huge role on the team in practice, being energy guys on the sideline and even on the bus, you know, celebrating as hard as the guys that got those minutes. You know, uh, absolutely. I think that was, um, and I was telling Josh this during, after I, after each playoff game, those kids, and I try to touch base with each of those kids at some point. I just say, hey, really happy that you're on this ride, that you stuck with it, that you could have said, you know what, I'm done playoffs. I'm not going to get play time. I'm, I'm out of here. But every single one of them stuck with us, stuck with the team. And even the parents and talking to the parents, like they are having a blast. They are enjoying this ride. The fact that they get to say they were on this journey to the state final is something that, that they're always going to remember. They get a medal, they get pictures, all the seniors took one big picture with the trophy after the after the after the uh final match. And so that again, it's just it's just, it's a, it's a family, right? That's what I like to call it. And they bought into it. And that was huge for us as well, because those kids cheered and cheered every game and got excited with every positive move that we did on the field. So where do you think this culture of success originally kind of started? Is that coming from the high school level or does it start in the, in the youth level with these kids coming up? Um, where does that, where does that begin and where do you guys first see that implemented within dripping Springs? Well, soccer and a lot of sports are similar, but I mean, I mean, their basis, their, their, I mean, their fundamentals, all that stuff is developed. I mean, so it was like, we don't ever say, Oh man, we, we developed this kid because you can't start playing soccer at 16 and just all of a sudden it's just, you've missed all the muscle memory, all that skill, all that, all that training. Um, it's just hard to get back. And so like, you know, these players are developing, you know, they said the window for skill development for soccer players is like seven to seven to 12. You met, those are the most key years. And so, you know, these kids, you know, played a lot of soccer, did a lot of skill work, did a lot of stuff early on. And then, you know, then they have that basis and then they just keep getting better and better. And then, you know, when they get to us, that it's just refining these skills and also then, you know, kind of put them into a, put them into a more of a team setting and, and trying to win games. So most of that player development that you're seeing does happen at the younger ages, then that's not even, 
Yeah, yeah. It, yeah it's yeah. you know, so it's like it's just the same kind of thing as like you know, kid doesn't just get thrown in AP English if he doesn't know how to read. All those things led up to it, and that's kind of how soccer is. You you have to develop those skills early on, and then you can you can keep getting better and better. Now, are those kids seeing more of like a small sided game in the youth levels when they're small sided? Like you know, the ratio ball per, one ball per kid it should be just touches, 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 just as many different you know skill improvements as they can as they can happen. So, and that's actually me and Billy both. That's what we spend the evenings. We're not with um, high school soccer team. We're both heavily involved in the DSYSA, the academy programs there. So. And we got a bunch, and that was a pretty cool part of this, too, is all those kids we coached, you know, at the state finals, state semifinals, we're hearing, hey, Coach Billy, hey, Coach Josh. And there's, you know, 40 kids that we coach from the youth level that came out and got to watch those kids. So it was pretty, pretty cool. Super cool. What, um, so I know you guys start pretty young. My daughter started doing soccer this past year. Um, did not go well. Nothing on you guys. She's just, <laughs> she is more of the dancing gymnastics type. Team sports is just not her thing. The second the ball gets taken from her, she doesn't like it and, <laughs> and shuts down. But um, I think it was uh, th- threes or fours is when you guys start. I think so. Yeah. We work with like the academy part. So it's like about seven to 10, but Got it. they start them at three. I'm not sure about <laughs> three, maybe just a little early, but I mean, it makes for some good pictures, I guess. Yeah, I think I think my son Enzo. We we have a soccer little soccer goal in the backyard and about five balls, and they're always kind of kicking around. But yeah. but um, yeah, Zoe did not. It was not for her. She's she's more rhythmic. She's really good at dancing, but not not soccer. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to know because you know being the lacrosse coach, our world is a little bit different because we don't have the kids during the school day, so we do everything after school, and y'all are you know, with having class periods for, for sports and not really bleeding into the afternoon as much. What does a typical day look like? Cause I want the listeners to understand how much work goes into high school athletics for these kids. This isn't just like show up for an hour, go home, play a game, whatever, like their whole day. And there's different training and different things that go into it with weight room and, and different, different um, on-field classroom things. So what, what does a typical, you know, day look like for one of your athletes? Um, well, they, a lot of it starts with academics. They, they get there early and they have a, a full class load. And so depending on the part of the season, you know, sometimes we're, you know, on the road, we're at tournaments, that sort of stuff. But, um, typically we'll, we'll come in, we incorporate weight training into our, into our, not every day, but we, we bury it up. Soccer is a little different because we play Tuesday, Friday. And so the recovery for some of these kids, you know, in a, Typical soccer game, it's not uncommon for a kid to run between six to eight miles. And so the, re- the recovery, we have to incorporate recovery into our training as well. So we do a lot of recovery training, recovery practices. And then on top of that, we still are trying to train and practice to get better. So, you know, they'll come to see us uh, fourth and eighth period. And then we'll usually try to get them out of there around five, five thirty. Some of those kids, um, those kids work part-time jobs too. We had actually quite a few of those too. So then they go do that or some of them start club or still have tournaments going on. So sometimes they have that as well in the evening. So these kids are, are pretty busy for sure, especially when we're in season. With, um, do you guys, I'm just kind of curious, like I know that the, the six to eight miles seems to be a commonly heard number. Do you guys do any like load management, run tracking with pedometers on them or using? No, we don't, we haven't really incorporated. We don't have really that technology yet. Um, no, we haven't done that, but we do try and 
you know, if we as best we can try to you know manage minutes at, at some point as we can, but then at the end of the day, you know, it's not always possible. Yeah, I was just curious with some of that tech. Um, another question I had too, you you mentioned, and I thought this was really interesting. Starting the season two eight and two, I mean, you're 14 matches in at that point. What was that turning point with the kids? Like, I know just the psychology of a kid, it's real easy to throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. But what what happened? What what changed it? What kind of sparked them to continue on and, and, and push through to finish the season strong enough to have the opportunity to win two games to make the playoffs? I mean, I think they just kept the belief. I mean, you know, looking at the the, the district, we had Lake Travis, who was at the time ranked first in the state. You got Westlake, that's always good. Bowie, which was the most talented team. And then you had a lot of teams that were, were good, but just weren't, you know, that highly ranked. So we just, that's what I basically just told them, guys, we have to win the games we're supposed to win. And then, you know, we, we go play Lake Travis. It was after that snowstorm and, or not really snow, but that ice storm. So we ended up yeah. playing like three games in a row or something crazy like that. And we played Lake Travis and we were up 1-0 with about eight minutes to go, give up a PK and then end up getting a red card and lose in the last 10 seconds of the game. And uh, we were that close. And so these guys knew they could play with anybody. And then, you know, they just confidence built. Schedule started to kind of become more favorable. We started string, I think we five wins together and then took a tough loss, man. These We took... It's not like, you know, we just had, it was just smooth sailing. We took a tough loss to Bowie and then we just had to come back, man. It was like 4-0, I think. And we came back and had to, knew we had to win the next game and they showed up and we played good and then just caught fire. Was that um, just internal from these kids over the long haul of, of continued success within the program? It's hard to say. I mean, because you've seen working with high school kids is one thing they're afraid of is is looking. They always kind of want to say looking cool, but, you know, they don't want to look bad. And so right. like, if you right. don't want to lose 4-0 and show up to school the next day and have to listen to, man, what happened? What you, you know, so you know, it's really hard. So that, that's when you see kids check out because if it's no longer something they but these kids did, man, they they were able to, you know, persevere and and didn't take that on that mentality and put themselves in a situation to make the playoffs that we knew once you get in, you got a shot, especially the first round is so, it's so difficult because we've been the one seed for the last five years. Mm-hmm. And so just knowing that four seed kids are new, nervous. They've some kids never played a playoff game. Mm-hmm. So I knew if we would have a chance. And I'm not saying I didn't know, you know, but I knew we'd have a chance. And then, you know, came out, played, played pretty well, caught a, caught a break, a little break, score a late goal. And then, and then from there, the dominoes just started falling. So, what do you guys have um, coming back for next year? I know you had a really a younger team this year, graduated a lot of seniors last year. What's what's the team look like for next year? Uh, we're going to be uh, returning, I think, five or six soft. We started, I think, four, five sophomores and a freshman. Okay, we have a good freshman group, good sophomore group to build on, and some. Not a big junior group, but some good juniors. But we did lose two. York Merrill and Mason Russell were the kind of the two goal scorers. They played a uh, both played forward, and I think they accounted for like thirty five of our fifty one goals. So we're gonna that's gonna be the biggest thing is find a way to put the ball in the back of the net for this next year's group. So, well, what we learned this year is that you have some time in the beginning of the season to figure it out, and then make sure, sure. you get it clicking by the time it really counts. Um, What's going on with the offseason? How does that look for 
summer is are there any camps or any events that that are going on that you guys like to let uh, anyone know about with the academy or, or high school stuff or youth stuff go ahead billy um yeah i knew uh we run the week of camp for the dripping springs uh soccer program the boys are i think the week before fourth of july the last last week of june and then the girls will come in and they will run a program soccer program for a week as well typically it's been together but they've uh divvied them up this summer so people can come register for that camp and i believe it's nine to twelve five, uh, four days four days during the week um then there's austin sports academy where uh, i run summer camps soccer camps and sports adventure camps and so kids can come do some of those camps as well and then they also there's also private training uh there at austin sports academy and then you might know somebody who does private training so really uh the kids have a couple of options um but usually it's kind of uh not loosey-goosey but a little bit more relaxed and so the kids get to go do it some of our kids uh who play on the top level teams for club are probably traveling and playing in tournaments up at least through uh, mid June, if not the end of June, sometimes. So they're they're pretty busy. So we would kind of want them to to rest and enjoy the summer as well, and just kind of relax, let their bodies heal. Well, that that's one of the most underrated thought processes of sports, right? Always that more is better, but especially with younger athletes, I mean, you need time just mentally to reset mm-hmm. some things. I know I had a, a dad ask one year, there was like a two week gap between some fall across stuff and some, there's still like several across stuff and fall across stuff. Like, what should he be doing? I was like, does he like video games? Like, just be a kid. Yeah. Have some time, go swimming, do something. Uh, where, where can we find info on that summer camp um, through the school? And then where can we find more info about the Austin Sports Academy? The Austin Sports Academy, it's uh, austinsportsacademy.com. And once you get there, you'll look for summer camps and then you can go ahead and register. And if the camps are full, then we always have a wait list. And we typically have to pull from the wait list throughout the summer. So I would if it is full, get on the wait list and then you can always email us, email us as well. And the what about the one through the school? Yeah, it's on the DSISD website. Most of the kids in the elementary, I think, got the flyer and it has a list of all the different camps. So but it, it can also be found on DSISD website. Awesome. And do you have Community to be, services? Do you have to be a Dripping Spring student to no. attend? No, yeah. we get a bunch of kids from Wimberley and areas. Awesome. Great. Great. Um, well, awesome guys. I, I really appreciate the time. Congratulations again on an outstanding season. It's, it's one of the things we, you know, with my lacrosse guys, we're entering the state playoffs this weekend and we don't have a great record, but we have a, a path. And, you know, I tell them like, you know, the the you know, the path is in the math. We, we match up well, we can do this and, and we're hoping to emulate you guys and pull a little bit about this. And, and um, selfishly part of this interview is to hear some of your secret sauce and see what we can do this weekend. But um, yeah, it just shows if you get hot at the right time, you can do some things. And um, it was really impressive. And, and what I've been saying to these guys is, is, you know, it just makes your story better. It makes the story better in the end. And makes people want to listen to it. And Billy, I got to thank you too, man. You introduced me to uh, Ryan Hunter last summer. He's been coaching with us all year, and he's been doing a fantastic. Oh, fantastic! Job. Yeah, yeah he's, he's been great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'll just add, I think, uh, which is kind of funny because you know we people talk about soccer being the beautiful game at times, but our boys weren't really beautiful 
all the time we were just gritty right like they just fought it out and that was again just a big part of it too is they bought into it and Josh put them in a system uh of play and they just fought tooth and nail and at times we were it was uh yeah it wasn't always pretty but we got the job done well that's great and that's usually what counts and you can't really teach grit you have it or you don't and those are the kind of kids you want on the field and I know as a fellow coach it's kind of hard to quantify that to the other kids or even sometimes to parents and they want to run on statistics or they want to run on, you know, the, the things that, that make sense, but you can't always make sense of grit. You can't teach it. You can just see it. You can feel it. And that's where coaching really comes in. And that's where the decision-making is hard, but you guys clearly did the, made the right moves this year. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to y'all directly, how can they reach you? And is there a way to kind of follow the team going into next year? Like, team instagram account or anything like that yeah we're on twitter instagram facebook i think the three of those are run by the booster club our booster club kind of runs it but yeah they can find it or they can reach out email us at our school email address so it's just our first dot last name at dsistx.us and we'll be happy to reach out and let you know any give you any schedule or anything like that but well, great. Hopefully we can get some some more uh, fans out next year and, and get some some players at those camps this summer and, and keep you guys busy. So, you know, thanks again for coming on. And we really appreciate what you do for, for the community with these kids. And congrats, guys. This is a hell of a run. And, and we're real proud to – the whole town is proud of you guys. The whole town is rooting for you. And, and we hope we can and get another run next year. All right. We appreciate it. And good luck in the playoffs. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Kath, thanks for, set, thanks for setting this up. Really appreciate it. And yeah, best of luck. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Talk right. soon. Thank you for listening to the Sold on Drip podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any future episodes. If you would like to connect, learn more about Dripping Springs, or have any questions regarding Central Texas real estate, you can find me at soldondrip.com or on Instagram at Bill Caffaretta. I hope to see you around town.